Hello, this is Alan Shipnuck back for another podcast on the Knockdown. Thanks, as always, for listening. Our guest this time around is one of the most interesting guys on the PGA Tour, Kevin Na. It's been quite an eventful career. Uh, let's talk about it. Kevin, thanks for being here. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for having me. Got it. So you are, I don't really count the wraparound. Okay. So yeah. this to me is the start of the year. Yes. This is your 15th year on tour, which is not an insubstantial number for a guy who's your age. Yes. Um, we're actually talking about this on the range. I forget. I think it was Mark Wilson. We're on the range and we're talking and um, asked me how many years this is. This is 15th season. And I, I played two years of professional golf before I got on tour, so 2002 and three. So this is my 17th year playing professional golf, and I'm 34. So I thought about it. I've been playing half of my life. I've been a professional golfer. Well, and, you know, Mark Wilson, he looks old. Like, he's a guy who could play 17 years. You've still got your, your boyish looks. Uh, thanks. It's, I got good genes. <laughs> <laughs> so... Where do you feel like you are? Are you halfway through this journey? Are you, can you see the end? I mean, where do you place yourself in the larger context of your career? I keep telling people that I hope the Champions Tour goes to 45. I can't wait till that <laughs> tour. Um, um, do I want to play Champions Tour? Yes. I, th- I think um, it's a great tour to play. And it means you had a heck of a PGA Tour career. It's not easy to get into. And, uh, and you're healthy. So um, I want to play that tour. But... Playing the PGA Tour, I know the tour is getting younger and younger. I know the average age dropped to somewhere around like 27, where it used to be like 32 or 3. So looking at that, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the older guys out here now. So I think I want to play till I want to say about 42, 3, and then go on that Steve Stricker schedule where you play <laughs> only a dozen events a year. Yeah. And then wait till the Champions Tour. Is it a weird feeling to walk on the range and, and not know a lot of the guys? A little bit. So I used to be that guy that, you know, that young kid, you know, early in my career. And now I go out there and I see everybody, all these young 20, 21-year-old kids. There's a bunch of them out there. And sometimes you don't know who they are because they just got their tour card. Or, you you know, they've been on tour. This might be their second year, but you just haven't been paired with them. Right. You probably know the name but can't put the face together. That happens, yeah. They all look the same, too. They have perfect swings. Their pants are a little too tight. They're buffed. I mean, right? It's like there's not that much individuality. They, they hit driver everywhere, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, in your in your career, you've seen the tour evolve rapidly. Mm-hmm. I yes. Mean, you, you basically were there for most of the Tiger years. Yep. And is, is it discouraging that, that it, this kind of bomb and gouge style has, has become the way most guys play? Yeah, you know... I, let me, so it's a, I'll answer it in two different ways. So, yes, the tour has changed. I mean, I've, I ran into Lee Jansen this week and Corey Pavin, and I'm seeing these guys. This is the guys that I played with when I first got on tour. You know, I watch the Champions Tour now. You know, Bernhard Langer. I played with Bernhard before he went to the Champions Tour. I mean, Jay Haas, Freddie. I mean, all these guys that you look at the Champions Tour. I mean, I can, I can go through a bunch of names. Billy Andre, you know, Michael Allen. Um, uh, Scott McCarron, all these guys that I played with, they're all now on the Champions Tour. It's amazing. Um, and yes, the game has changed. I mean, we're going to golf courses that are longer and longer. Everybody hits at a mile. Um, I mean, you stick out when you don't hit it far. Yeah. Now, you know, back in when I got on tour, that um, if you hit it, you know, 300 yards, you know, you were a long hitter. And, oh, yeah, that guy bombs it, that guy bombs it. Now it's, it's easier to pick out the guys who don't bomb it. 
Um, I think that the biggest thing was golf ball that changed everything. You know, back in the days when I used to play a lot of balls, I grew up playing a lot of balls, yeah. And um, if you hit it too hard, if you swung at it too hard, you couldn't control the ball. It spun too much, and you couldn't keep it in the fairway. Nowadays, you can hit it as hard as you want. They'll find a ball or a club that works for you. And, right. You know, high launch, low spin. It goes yeah. forever. So we're sitting in your rental house in La Quinta, California. It's on yeah. the eve of the Hope. Yeah. Now, these courses are pretty petite. You know, they're, they're tight. There's a lot of on – the, on the scorecard, they're, they're shorter. So when you come to a week like this, mm-hmm. do you feel a little extra internal pressure? Like this should be one of – there's six or eight or nine or 12 weeks where I can really compete because of the golf course favors me? Yeah, there's some golf courses where I get there and I feel like I have to maximize – this week you know i have to get as much as i can out of it because we don't have too many of these colonial hilton heads um you know they say you know the hope this week is is not a long golf course trust me the stadium is pretty long yeah i mean there's par fives out there that definitely favor the bombers but um i mean i actually talked about this with jack johnson on the chip and green today and um yeah this is a golf course we feel like we shorter hitters have a chance at i mean the weather's perfect it's warm ball does travel out here and um yeah this is a golf course that a shorter hitter can win are there tournaments that you now leave off your schedule even though you like the city and you like the event but the golf course doesn't work oh yeah um like which ones i haven't played san diego in a long time i love (laughs) san diego tory pine you know it's a great place but i'm just tired of hitting hybrids and five woods all day and um i just feel like i don't have a chance I, i feel like my best there is going to be a 20th place finish where I go to a place like Hilton Head. I feel like if I play halfway decent, I should finish top 10. So places like that I leave out because you can't play every week. Um, I know that I, I've played well at Quail Hollow before, but you know after the redo, I finished fifth there one year, but after the redo, I just feel like that's another golf course that, I mean, I love the tournament. You know, you know Kim does a great job running that golf tournament, and it's, it's a great event they treat us really well but it's just too long yeah, yeah. Is, is it funny when you turn up at certain events there, there's kind of this tribe of guys and um, there's probably dozens of players in your position where you play the same events on the same courses because it favors you so, oh yeah it's, i mean you know some of these guys that you know the veterans out here that you've you know played with many many years you can literally look at the schedule and 80 80 90 of times you gotta guess which one what their schedule is what their tournaments what they're playing yeah. because we know their game and we know each other's game and what he plays and what he doesn't. So um, I bet you somebody can sit down and say, oh, what do you think Kevin's going to play? And they'll go through the list and they'll name you what golf courses I'm going to be at. That's amazing. Yeah. So uh, your, your very cute 16-month-old daughter mm-hmm. greeted me at the, at the door, a yeah. uh, little sweetheart. So how, how does that factor into your schedule? So that was a life-changing uh, so when when we had Sophia in 2016, end of 2016, it was the second week of the playoff event. I missed that playoff event um, when she was born. I still made it to the Tour Championship playing only two of the, out of the first three uh, leading up to the Tour Championship. And there was a big adjustment in my life because it's amazing how difficult it is to travel with a child versus just you and your wife or your girlfriend. When we dated, we traveled too, but... Um, it, it changes. Uh, the stuff you got to carry, <laughs> the luggage. I mean, and we, it seems like we don't have any free time. Um, 
yeah, we only have one child, but our life on tour is much different than someone nine to five regular day job where you're settled in one place and, you know, you're on the same schedule. Her sleeping schedule is different all the time because, you know, we're time zones always changing. We're in a different house every week and it's, it's a little more difficult. And she travels probably wife and the baby travels probably 80% of the schedule that I play. Um, so it's, it's been difficult, but at the same time, every week is special. Um, every, every day, I mean, I get to spend time with her. Um, you just saw how, you know, she's, you know, she says, Appa, which means daddy in Korean. And, and, um, it's awesome. I can't wait till I come back after the, my practice and, and get to see her. Is, is there a guilt now when, you know, you want to hit one more bucket, but you know, oh, I haven't seen my daughter all day. I mean, how, how does that weigh on you? Um, yeah, like today, I think I cut it, my practice session maybe 20, 30 minutes short because I wanted to come home uh, and then hang out with the kid a little bit. Um, at the same time, I'm a little tired too. But <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of that. But um, but also, it's, it's, it's work. You know, this is a business. Um, and it's my career that I still have to give it all I got. Um, who knows how many more years I can do this. But for time being, I got to give it all I got. Yeah. All right, business is an interesting word. So you have a very lofty perch on the all-time money list. Hmm. Uh, you know, you had a great run out here, 15 years in a row, uh-huh. keeping your card yep. with one victory. Uh-huh. With- oh. Frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Embarrassing well, almost. Well, so let's talk about that. I mean, because I did a big story on Pat Perez a year ago, and oh. he said he said he was in the same boat, right? Yeah. He, he said, listen – it's easy to keep your card when you win in tournaments. Yeah. He'd only won one tournament, and he, yeah. he'd had a similar run. He's like, people don't understand what an accomplishment that is. So it's good news, bad news, right? I mean, how much pride do you have in what you've accomplished? And then talk about the frustration. So, so let's talk about Pat first. <laughs> <laughs> I love Pat. Yeah. So I just started actually working with um, um, uh, his swing coach, uh, Drew Steckel. So in the last year, we oh, I nice. started working with him. He's a great coach, and I think he's done a great job with Perez and changing his game. And Perez basically found new life. I mean, at 40-some years old, winning two tournaments, and you know he's top 20 in the world right now. That's what he's doing is incredible. I mean, if I if I can have that in my 40s, sign me up. <laughs> um, what I've done in my career, I mean, I've played as steady as anybody could. Um, you know, made a bunch of tour championships. You know, my world ranking was pretty good for a long time. Um, what am I? Somewhere around. 40 something in career all-time career money one stinking win <laughs> it, it, it when i look at that and look at the number of top tens i've had and, and look at the number when it doesn't balance out um i know i'm going to win a few more times before my career is over but it it's it still bothers me quite a bit that i'm at one win um yeah, I've made a great living doing it. I've, you know, it's been great. Um, I've kept my card every year. You know, made, you know, every single year has been since 2009. It's been a multi-million dollar year, except last year I was just shy. Um, yeah, everything's been great. But I still look at that one stinking trophy at home. It's shiny. It's nice. It's nice. But, <laughs> but it's lonely. It is. Well, no, I do have one nationwide victory, nationwide tour, and then one Asian tour victory next to it. Um, but the, the picture of me holding up a trophy is only one. I only put that one up on the wall. I will not put the other two up on the wall. 
But um, I do have a space next to it for the next one. <laughs> so uh, well, I'm waiting for that. You're optimistic. I like that. Yeah. Um, it's going to happen. Uh, I'm, you know what? The, I feel like I'm, I'm a better player than ever. Uh, but um, you need a lot of luck. I mean, you look at the playoff like last week. I mean, any of them could have won. I mean, you just didn't know. James on and, uh, and Pat both playing great golf. And you need a little bit of luck. I mean, you, you know, James had his chances. Pat had his chances. And at the end, Pat ended up winning. So, I remember there's a great quote from Arnold Palmer talking about winning. And he said, it's such an ephemeral thing. And you don't even know what it is. Mm. When you have it, it's, it's, it, you don't even think about it. when it's gone. You just can't wrap your, your fingers around it. And the harder you try, the more elusive it gets. I mean, have you diagnosed what you need to do different when you're in, in those situations? Trust me, every time I finish second, I try to do something different next time. <laughs> it hasn't worked. <laughs> I'm still searching. Um, I think the – I know this sounds stupid and ridiculous, but the key to winning is not trying. I think that's what it is. Um, if you try too hard, it puts too much pressure on you. It puts too much emphasis on the result, and you don't play your game or your stroke. I mean, it, it's that little bit of the touch that, you know, it – it freezes up your body or whatever whatever you want to call it. it it's not the way to do it. You almost have to have a don't care attitude. Um, I think that guy who had the best don't care attitude or at least acted like he didn't care was Anthony Kim. Right. Um, I actually ran into him last year at uh, Bellagio. Um, Tell me everything. <laughs> I think he had a few drinks. <laughs> but well, he looked I, good. He looked good. Uh, how long was his hair? Uh, his hair was pretty long pretty long um he was out with his buddies um we were ran to a restaurant called yellowtail and um looked like he was having a good time i am um, and so when you when you bump an anthony kim out of town what do you talk about uh <laughs> so i had i had sophia in my hand, in my arms and um i saw him walk and i saw the back of him and i, I knew it was him i said hey ak you he turned over he looked around and i said hey kev what's going on and he looked at my baby he goes is this yours <laughs> i said no, yes no. this is mine <laughs> no professional nanny i gave up the tour <laughs> yeah a um, question yeah. yeah and he's like oh it's cool yeah, that's great it's like um he's like you're gonna get married anytime soon he's like, oh no no not not ready okay <laughs> but you don't ask him about the tour um I really didn't. Um, um, I don't know if he was. I don't know. I'm sure he misses it. He was a hell of a player. I really liked the guy. I mean, he had a huge fan following. Um, and it's just, I think it's a bit of a waste of a talent. But um, I don't think he's coming back. Unfortunately, oh, I don't either. Unfortunately, I don't think he's coming back. But I bet he misses it. I'm sure. Well, he how does. could you not? You grew up playing this game your whole life. Your dream was to play on the tour and went on tour. Well, he did. He did accomplish his goals. I mean, he had a few heck of a years in Ryder Cup and um, made a couple runs at the Masters. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's nothing on earth that feels like that, right? To have a chance at the Masters or to play a Ryder Cup. I mean, I don't care yeah. how pretty the girl is or, or how good the substances <laughs> are. There's no feeling that's going to duplicate that. Am I right? No. no. Um, and he, I think he holds a record for most amount of birdies or eagles. Um, birdies and eagles at, at the round of the Masters. He made or 10 birdies, yeah. Something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm sure he misses it. Um, I'm sure he misses the the competition and being out with the boys. But look, I'm sure you know. He seems like he's 
enjoying a different chapter of his life. And there's more to, more to life than golf. Um, I always think about it and what I'm going to do in my 40s. And look, if I'm 42, if I, if I play the tour till I'm 42 or three, which is let's let's say let's say I play the tour for eight more years, and I win a couple more times, and you know, which means I'm going to make plenty of money, which our tour pension's pretty darn good. He's yeah. still pretty good right now. <laughs> and um, I think I'm, I'll find other things to do and which I'll enjoy. And hopefully I'll have two or three kids by then and I'm, I'll keep myself busy. Yeah, but that's that's you walking away on your terms. It's not, you know, with AK, the get, yeah. injuries, he got yeah. the driver yips. It just ended abruptly. It's a little yeah. different when you get to do it the way you want. I guess. Um Although my caddy, Kenny, still said it, uh, I'd be quitting. I still wouldn't be retiring. He says, you'd be retiring financially, but in the game of golf, you're quitting. He goes, unless you have a major and you're, you know, I mean, I'm rolling my eyes. And he says, unless you have like a Hall of Fame career, you're still quitting. That's what wow, he said. Wow, that's a high standard. We actually talked about this at the British Open at St. Andrews. Uh, when was the last time we had the Open? The 2015? Yeah. So we were there. I remember on the putting green, uh, Zach Johnson was there. Charlie Hoffman was there. I don't know if Jordan Spieth was in this conversation. Anyway, so we're talking about the difference between quitting and retiring. <laughs> and everybody had a different opinion. So Charlie Hoffman said, if you have enough money, you're retiring. Um, Kenny kept arguing and said, no, you might, you're retiring because you're financially, but from the game, you're still quitting unless you have X amount of wins and a major. Yeah, I said whatever. I don't haven't seen you win a golf tournament. <laughs> He's a pretty good caddy, though. You can say that. Yeah, yeah. You guys have had a long run. How long has it been? Uh, this is our tenth year. Yeah. So um, I'll tell you another funny story. So at Chambers Bay, U.S. Open, um, I got in the shuttle, going to the first tier of the clubhouse. Can't remember. Ran into Julie Inkster, and Julie Inkster knows Kenny Harms pretty well. Um, said, "Hey, Kenny, how are you? Have you been?" Oh, a long time, blah, blah, blah. Hey, Kevin, how are you? It's like, hey, you guys been together for a long time. This That might have been our seventh year, sixth year, whatever. Just, how many years have you guys been, you know, working together? I said, um, I say seven. He says, oh, my God, that's longer than some, you know, a lot of marriages. <laughs> I said, how do you do it? I looked at her and I said, we're in love. <laughs> she could not <laughs> stop laughing. <laughs> I let her laugh for about 10 seconds. I said, or, or the money. <laughs> and she said, I think I know what it is. Yeah, yeah but... um. Yeah, we've had a good relationship. Um, this is our tenth year together. Kenny said he's got five more years in him, and he's quitting. So, <laughs> so I got five more years for him. <laughs> that, that's rich, considering he's giving you a hard time about about quitting. Oh, look, I mean, he's caddied for two Hall of Famers, Hubert Green and, and Hale Irwin, and then and me. So, <laughs> although I did make him the most money, I believe that. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I've talked to him. Of course, I did that big feature on you a couple of years ago mm -hmm. for Sports Illustrated, and. He's a, a deep believer in your ability. He believes in my game than more more than I believe in mine. Let's put it that way. Is that is that a burden? Like no. you feel like you're letting him down? Sometimes. Sometimes. Like with with um someone I've which I shouldn't, I've said a couple times in my career when I blew a tournament, I looked at it and said, Look, I'm sorry. I, I didn't say I, 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 I was quote unquote I just said, sorry, Kenny. Listen, you don't need to be sorry, but I feel like I let him down sometimes because we're a team. Um, yes, I'm the boss. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I I make the calls, but we, I'm a team, and sometimes you know, as much as I want to win, I know he wants to, you know, help me win. So I've said I'm sorry a few times because <laughs> when I see like Adam Scott 
struggling and you can see just Steve Williams just stewing. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like it's bad energy for Adam. That's just wrong. Right? I mean, you can, you can see it on the caddy's face. He's pissed. And Look, I don't care how good of a caddy you are. And I'll say this to Kenny straight to his face. I don't care how good of a caddy you are. You did not hit a single shot. Okay? Yes, you can help a player or you can hurt a player. But it gives you no right to give that kind of energy or give that kind of a body language and show that to your player. Because your player is tr- giving it, he's giving it all he's got and trying everything to win a golf tournament or wink the cut or whatever, whatever that is. And you have, you have absolutely, it, I think that's just poor caddying. That is. I don't give, I don't care if you're, if you've caddied for five major wins, 10 major wins, I don't care. Putting off that kind of body language or energy is just bad caddy. Are, are tour caddies underpaid or overpaid? Depends who you're talking about. <laughs> some caddies are underpaid and some caddies are overpaid. <laughs> but my caddy is not overpaid. I pay him well, trust me. Yeah. And he's not overpaid. I like him. Well, you know, you see Rory's bringing out his best friend. Mm-hmm. Phil's bringing out his mm-hmm. brother. Everybody's uh, different. Yeah. But I, 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 got, I know to talk to some caddies, mm-hmm. it, it hurts their pride. You okay. Know, just, just bringing dudes off the street, basically. Yeah. Let's, well, I don't know about Rory, but let's look at Phil. I have a lot of respect for Phil. I think what he's done for the game and what how what kind of person he is. You know, I love Phil. Let's I'm gonna put that out there first. But him not having bones on the bag, I think is costing himself. Um, I think Tim's a great guy. I I know Tim a little bit and I like him. I think he's a great guy and I'm sure he can caddy, but I don't think he can caddy as well as bones. And I've seen them on TV, or I've been paired with them many, many times, where Bones keeps saying, Phil, it's a nine iron. Phil, it's a nine iron. <laughs> Phil, it's a nine iron. And Phil hits a wedge, and it comes up short. And rips back, yeah, too yeah. much spin, yeah. Yeah. So that's just my opinion. Um, like I said, I love Phil. <laughs> I'm yeah. not trying to diss him. But I think it's costing himself not having Bones on the back. Interesting. So, you know, you grew up with AK in Southern mm-hmm. California. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's kind of a, a tribe of Southern California golfers. Who, who else did you come up with? Um, so who lived in Southern California? It was me, AK, obviously had a lot of success. Um, sorry, I'm going blank here. Who else? I mean, there's got to be a bunch, right? Yeah, you would think. Sorry. So I'm, I'm thinking back junior golf days. And obviously, I played against Hunter Mahan, a heck of a career, Ryan Moore. Um, but they, were, they weren't from California. Who else is from Southern California? Oh, I'm trying to think age-wise. You're, age-wise. My, I'm talking about yeah, my yeah, age. Yeah. Obviously, the old, older generation is a bunch. My job is to ask the questions, oh, Kevin. Man. You answer them. Oh, I'm going to put pass on that. I'm, I'm going to come <laughs> okay. back to that. <laughs> it's, well, junior golf days have been so long that I just remember them as a tour player, not so much as right. a junior golf. All right, so let's talk about your aborted junior golf career because oh. pe- people probably remember you turned pro. can't even remember that. It's so well, far well, back. No, no, I'm saying but people remember you turned pro when mm-hmm. you were in high school. Yeah. Not, as, not at the end of high school, when you were a junior. Yeah. So what compelled that decision? I wanted to make some money. <laughs> uh, no, no. Um, I don't know. I, I think I was young, dumb, and full of ambition. Um, I had no fear. I thought 
for sure I was going to get on tour. I never doubted myself that, that what if this doesn't work out? Um, you know, I played overseas for two years. I, I was about a month away from turning 18 and, um, hated carrying my own bag and uh, <laughs> and I felt like I was going to be ahead of the game not going to college golf-wise and and I was very fortunate that things worked out and then I was able to make a living doing this and have a, have a good career and um, looking back at it now I wish I went to college for for at least a semester so I can watch March Madness and root for a team. Um, <laughs> I mean, you don't hunt, you don't fish, and you didn't go to college. You have nothing to talk about with the guys out here, right? Money. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Cars. I mean, what, 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 I mean, there's a bunch of things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, hunting, fishing, and college football. I actually do fish a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Don't know much about it, but I, I do enjoy okay, fishing. Okay, so yeah. pure pressure has got you into fishing. But, <laughs> I mean – Okay, one semester you, you need a rooting interest, but beyond that, mm -hmm. to to be a teenager going against grown men, that must mm -hmm. have been a shock. It was, um, you know, going from, you know, guy, watching guys on TV to playing against them was different. Um, and at the same time, you know, I didn't have the college experience, or I didn't have uh, someone to kind of take me under their wings. Uh, Duffy Waldorf was my big brother when they used to have the big brother program. Right. Um, he did help me a lot. Uh, I really appreciated that. Um, but I didn't have someone, you know, like a team sport where, you know, they take you under and, you know, right. show me the ropes. I kind of figured it out on my own. So in my first few years, I was, yes, uh, it was tough and I was lost. <laughs> if, if I offer you a million dollars a year to wear Tabasco shirts like Duffy used to, would you uh -huh. take it? Yeah, why not? Hey, Such a we, slut. We all, we all have a price. <laughs> I didn't realize it was that low. I'll tell you another funny story. I was at, I won't say where, I was somewhere overseas playing a tournament, got paid some money to go play, and this place was not pretty. Um, I didn't know anything about it. I just, I, I just wanted to play some tournaments overseas at the end of the year because I wanted to keep my game sharp. Yeah. That was my main reason, not so much the money. And I saw Ernie there. This was when Ernie was still playing pretty darn good. And and hotels were awful. Food was awful. Nothing was great about this place. And I looked at Ernie and I said, Ernie, don't tell me you're, you would ever come back to this place. And he looked at me and says, Kev, if you pay me the right amount of money, I'll show up anywhere. I'm a slut. <laughs> he didn't say slut. He said something worse than that, but I won't say it. <laughs> well, yeah, I had a similar experience in Shanghai. It was the... Um the BMW Masters. Oh, are you actually going to name a tournament? Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. I don't care. Okay. Like, it doesn't hurt me. Okay. BMW. And um, we just lost their sponsorship yeah. on the podcast. And they were doing one of those crazy opening night ceremonies. The guys had to walk out to the middle of this lake and hit balls and there's fireworks. And, you know, Rory was there. There was a lot of mm -hmm. top guys. And Lee Westwood was there. And I, I said to him, Lee, whatever they're paying you, it can't be enough. He said, oh, it is. <laughs> oh, it is. It is. Yes. And... Um, <laughs> if you pay the players the right amount of money, they'll wear it or they'll be there. Well, so it's an interesting thing because that's that's how you keep score out here. The, the money there's a, there's a, been a money list forever. I don't I don't even care about the FedEx. I mean, there's literally the pecking yeah. order is based on money. Yeah, this is what you do. But I mean, the definition of pro athlete <laughs> is paid athlete, right? Right. So and yet, but some fans don't want to hear that. They want it just to be all about the glory of the game. And no, don't get me wrong. We love the game. We you know it's. We're playing for the W, and I've said this before. I'll take the trophy, you know, even though I can take zero dollars, you know. But 
at the same time, you know, we are paid athletes. This is our job. I mean, we have to get paid. Do you ever feel guilty about how much money you make? No. Somebody, somebody told me this. He said, you pro golfers make way too much money. You guys are overpaid. And I lost it. I absolutely lost it. I said, are you kidding me? I said, you know how much practice I've put into since I was eight years old till I became a professional golfer? You know how hard I worked to get here? He goes, no, I am not overpaid. And look, and trust me, when every paycheck we make, we have to make a, well, except world championships and some non-cut events. We, but you do have to qualify to get it. Yeah, you have events. to earn your way in. Every cut, we, we have to make a cut to get paid. Nothing is guaranteed for us. Yes, we do have endorsement deals, but you have to have a tour card to get paid a decent amount of money, and you have to be world ranked pretty high to get endorsement deals. So everything we do, we earn it. So no, we are not. I don't feel guilty, and no, we are not overpaid. Okay. Am I? Do, strong, I, feel, do I feel blessed? Yes, I'm very blessed. I'm very thankful. Yes. It's one of my favorite pieces of trivia that you used to drive a, a yellow drop-top Lambo. Oh, yeah, I missed that car. <laughs> Can't get a car seat in that one. No, um, I had it from 25 to probably 30 or 31. I had it five or six years, yeah. That's, that, you exceeded the actuary tables. Most people have them for like 18 months, and they smash them up. Or yeah. they lose them in a paternity well, suit. I had no. The funny thing is, I I had no ticket, no speeding ticket with that car, and I just got a speeding ticket a couple of weeks ago in an an Audi SUV. And I was like, how does this work? Um, yes, I play golf slow, but I drive fast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't play this. I don't play that slow. Come on. All right, let, all right. You went there. Let's oh, go there. Oh man, I hate it. Why do I do this to myself? We had to go there. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, you've, you've had that reputation for a long time. I, yeah, I know yeah. you've worked hard mm-hmm. to, to speed up and to uh-huh. change your pre-shot and to walk faster between shots. Are you still a slow player? Or I'm not average? the fastest. Uh, I'll tell you that. I'll be honest. Uh, am I slow? I can be at times, but I don't think I'm that slow. And people don't realize what you saw. I mean, it was a long time ago now. I mean, what year was that? 2012? What players? you saw at the players yeah. six years ago. Jeez, get over it. Um, what you saw at the players was the yips. It wasn't my pre-shot routine. So you can't call that slow play. Yes, am I a fat, am I the fast player on tour? No. But what you saw was the yips. And let's get over that of six years ago. Uh, I still have some people say pull the trigger and whatever. And, and my caddy looks over and he goes, that was six years ago. Get over it. <laughs> I- it's almost most people don't want to talk about having the yips. It's for you. It's almost an important alibi. It seems like. Look, yeah, I think if you can own up to it, you can get rid of it. Yeah, that's the way I look at it. Well, and that was, you know, I I traced some of the stuff in that story that I wrote, but that had been building all you know all year. You'd made some swing changes. Yeah. It was it was slowly building, and it erupted at the players. Yeah. And most of the guys that are going through the yips, you'll never see that on TV because they're usually missing the cut every week. Right. But I was playing some of my best golf. But my yips was a little different. It wasn't like I was hitting a cricket or missing putts. It was I just couldn't take it back. All right, I'm going to stop at that. Anyways. Um, yeah, but to me, it's one of the most amazing on. performances in golf history because you're screaming over the ball yeah. inside. You can't, get, you can't take no. it back. And then when you did, you, you were striping it. Like, if, if, you, if an average guy wants to talk about, or even tour players, wants to talk about the yips or, or struggles and making – I mean, I've – I've been through it all. I mean, as for playing the tour for 15, 14 years in my 15th season, 
I've gone through, even though as, as, as steady as I've played, I've gone through a lot and I've seen a lot and I've felt a lot. And look, I'm, you know, if young kid, some young kid asked me, hey, Kev, you know, I'm struggling with this. What do you think? I'll probably have a good, good advice for them. And I've, you know, <laughs> I've been, I've gone through a lot of, a lot of mental scars um, and I've overcome a lot of it. And so in, in that sense, I've, I think I've done pretty well mentally. I mean, how many guys have, do you know, had, couldn't take it back for, for a few months or, you know, have made an, an, the highest score on one hole and, you know, or all this stuff that I've had and still be able to not only keep my card but make it to tour championships and contend, um, I think I've done all right. Uh, without question. I like to look at the glass half full, so that's the way I look at it. People remember your um, what you called the box, where yeah. you're on the downswing, something yeah. doesn't feel right, and you'll yeah. swing right over I had the that ball. that too, that's right. And that's um, gone? That hasn't happened in how long? Oh, you know what? It Actually, I haven't thought about it. Thank you, Jesus. You bring it back up. <laughs> I haven't thought about it. I haven't had it in a while. Like years? I know for a while. Six months, almost a year. I think I might have done it like one or two times last year, and I, I don't think I've done it in a long time. Watch, I'll do it tomorrow, and I'm going <laughs> to throw an F-bomb with your name on it. <laughs> the podcast that changed Kevin Na's career. <laughs> no, no. Um, but, I mean, but, but that, where, where in the swing would you feel it? I mean, it, it's happening so fast. How could you just make that decision? I don't know. I, it, it's just more of a reaction. I think I'm, I'm on the way down, I said, and I hit the eject button. So let's think about something else, please. Okay. Well, I have before we move on to you know rainbows and unicorns, I have to ask you one story. Yeah. Um, because we already we already talked about the um, the bad mojo okay. of Steve Williams. Okay. So what? Tell me about your confrontation in the scoring trailer. Uh, I'm not gonna get into that again. We've talked about this. Let's move on. Really? Yeah. Let's move on. Okay. Let's I had to on. ask. Let's move on. The, the the listeners demand that I ask. Let's move on. All right. So. You talk about these things you've overcome. Mm -hmm. do, do you think that's made you tougher or has it made you scarred? A little bit of both. Um, definitely tougher. Um, if something similar comes up to that, I know what to do to get over it or how not to get so far down the road where I have to overcome something. And also, but at the same time, a lot of bad memories. <laughs> you know, short-term memory is the best thing you can have as a golfer. This golf, this golf game, can beat you down so mentally. You, you know, the most of the viewers on TV watch good shots, putts being hold, but they rarely see what some what tour players are when they're struggling. I mean, we get paired. I mean, you get paired in you know weeks. You you play with a guy that's obviously a good player, and they're shooting seventy five and six, getting up and down from everywhere, I and mean, they they have no clue where it's going. And we go through that. I mean, um, but the next week they'll go finish top ten. We're content. It's it's a crazy game. This game will drive you nuts. <laughs> and if you're nuts and you're playing this game, maybe you got a chance. <laughs> and I I tell people you, you got to be one or the two. You got to be a genius or a dumbass to be good at this game. Because if you're a genius, you know everything about this, every trick, every angle, every whatever scientific. Thing that goes into this game and you can manage all that great if not you got to be dumb as a rock 
You see the target, you see the ball, and you swing. Um, I actually talked about this, something similar again today. We're sitting at the table, a good buddy of mine, John Hall, we're sitting down, and, and he was talking, uh, talking about how ignorance is bliss. He goes, when I first got on tour, I didn't know nothing. I was just happy to be out here, just looking, at the, looking down the fairway, hit it, aim at the pin, hit it. He said he won, had a rookie of the year. And then ever since I started knowing, you know, what to do and getting smarter about the game, I started playing worse and worse. And it's kind of true. Um, it goes back to, um, you know, what coaches say or what, you know, psychologists say. The psycho psychologist captain obvious. Um, um, you got to shut the brain off. Um, when you Ball, target, swing. Obviously, when you're practicing, you know, you work on your techniques. But when you're out playing around the golfer, you're playing a competitive round, the less you think, the better it is. You try to make it, uh, you know, a reaction sport where other sports, you know, you react. Your body reacts. But golf, you're hitting a ball that's still. And you got all this time to think about what you're going to do, get the numbers, what's the wind doing, <laughs> what type of shot are you going to hit. And you got to calculate all that. Think about it, get over and hit it, just screws you up. You've always been dismissive of, of sports psychologists. Mm. Has your, none have, of them has helped me. Maybe <laughs> none of them has helped me. But have you not given it enough of a, a fair shake or you're just you're incurable or you just have to figure it out on your own? Look, I don't think there's nothing any wrong with me. Uh, I've had friends that are in psychologist world and, you know, and – I mean, everyone has um, in golf. I'm talking about everyone has their their flaws or their you know mental errors. Um, but at the end of the day, yes, they can guide you. But at the end of the day, it's you're the one who has to pull it off. And you know, I I also think you know people. Some of the people that you know you watch a tournament and they say, "Oh, that was pressure. He choked," or you know, "That was all mental." Yes and no, because everyone, nobody has a perfect golf swing. Everyone has a flaw. And yes, does it magnify under pressure? Yes. But pressure sometimes helps you focus and get in the zone. So at the same time, if you make a bad swing, I mean, it's not pressure. So, I mean, psychologists are going to say, you guys are good enough, so you guys should be able to hit it good every time. No, that's not true. Um, so I, they like to take a lot of credit or they think they can help. Yes, they can help, but I don't think they can make a guy that's struggling to keep his card to all of a sudden a major champion. No, overnight, no. Um, swing needs to be worked. I mean, putting needs to be worked. Everything needs to get better for you to win a golf tournament, not just believe in yourself. And if you suck and you're full of it and you believe in yourself, trust me, that's not going to work either. <laughs> well, just yesterday, I'm not going to say who the player was because I was just kind of hanging out, but he was working with his sports psychologist mm -hmm. back of the range. And the guy was saying, I want you to have an affirmation. I want you to tell yourself for every shot and every putt, I'm the man. I want you to walk to the ball like you believe it. I want you to strut to the ball and say to yourself, I'm the man. And it was really funny. Let me try that tomorrow and I'll let you know how that goes. <laughs> but, you know, this, this is a guy who's one on tour and it, it seemed like something you might tell you know, a, a 10 year old, yeah, but it was, it was, say, it was, it was yeah. so basic, but maybe 
maybe it'll help him. I, I mean, everybody's different, like you say. Well, have you heard of what James Hahn thinks before he pulls it? I'm the best effing golfer of the, in the world. <laughs> just that, that's just that. Yeah, it was a joke. I don't know if it was a joke or who, but they made a big deal out of that. But um, yes, there's a lot to do. With, but confidence is not something that you can keep telling yourself that you're good or you have to actually deep down inside believe in yourself. If you're putting well, you know that you're putting well. You don't have to tell yourself. You're going to get over it. You're going to feel comfortable. But if you get over it and you're not feeling comfortable because you're not stroking it well and you keep telling yourself, I'm the best putter in the world and the best putter in the world, trust me, that ain't going to work. <laughs> you don't think that self-talk has an effect? You can pump yourself up. You can psych yourself up to get you know somewhat into it. But I don't think it's a cure. I think it might be a Band-Aid, a temporary something that might help you a few shots, but no. I mean, I've tried this. I mean, I've tried when I'm under the pressure, stay aggressive, stay aggressive, and, you know, swing almost, not over out of my shoe, but, you know, swing aggressive at it, hit good shots because I didn't want to get tentative. But that's not telling myself I'm the man. I look, I don't know. Maybe I should have my wife tell me that. My first words out of the, the first sentence of my kid's got to say, Daddy, you're the man. <laughs> I like the Han version a little better. I'd love to hear your little sweetheart say that when oh, she, she turns to Dad, you're the best fucking golfer in the world. <laughs> well, I mean, so, okay, Han, I know you guys are I failed as a parent if she says that. <laughs> yeah. I, I know that you and Han are buddies. That's an interesting case mm. where he's not had the long, sustained success that you have. But he's he, had some success, though. No, but I'm saying, but he's jumped up with a couple of wins. Let's say everything stopped right now. Mm. Would you rather have his career or yours? Mine? Yeah. I think I've made triple the amount of money he's made. Yeah. But he's got, he's got that second trophy that you're lusting yeah, after. I thought he was going to get his third last week. Man, yeah. he was playing good. Yeah. And the guy looks good under pressure. Yeah. You know, he's, I think, he, from what I know, I don't think he's lost a playoff. Since last week, he's won two playoff first two wins of playoff. Yeah. I think he, I think he had a couple web.com wins, and I think I know for sure one of them was a playoff win. And I don't know, maybe I ought to talk to him about how to win a playoff event. And I, he says he doesn't watch the other guy hit. So when he won at Wells Fargo, and when Roberto Castro hit in the water, he thought he hit in the fairway. So he said he was looking down, looking down, and he thought he somebody heard somebody say good shot so he kind of said good shot and when he just hit in the water but he didn't hear him i guess roberto didn't hear him. ultimate gamesmanship yeah <laughs> and he hit one he goes like, oh, so i got hit in the fairway you know he didn't bail out right he piped it down the middle he's walking to, to his ball and roberto was going left and he looked at his cat he goes where'd he go he goes he's in the water he goes what he goes i thought he in the fairways no he in the water it's like i just said good shot to him because oh, i don't think he hurt you i heard that i was like <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yeah I mean, I remember your playoff against Matsuyama at Memorial. Yeah. He, he drives it into the bunker. Yeah. You, you're up next. Oh, pulled it left in the water. Yeah. I didn't even realize there was water there until I hit it there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is that, if you could have one shot back in your career, is that the one, that drive? No. I actually think it was 2005. Um, at the time, I think it was called the Chrysler Classic at Tucson. I was in a three-way playoff with Jeff Ogilvie and Mark Kakovecchia. Kakovecchia doubled the first hole. He was out. Uh, Jeff, it was 18th hole was a very difficult par four. Um, Jeff Ogilvie and I made par. And the second playoff hole, I had a chip shot 
very simple chip shot from behind the green. I'd say about a 15-yard chip for an eagle. And I hit a poor chip to about five feet by. If I had ch chipped that to probably I can, you know, eight, or, eight, out of, eight out of ten times, I'd probably hit it stony to a gimme range. If I had put it in a gimme range, I don't think Jeff would have made a 25-footer downhiller. And I think that would have been my first win. I think my first win would have came easier, and I think the rest of the wins would have been a lot easier. I think the first playoff that I lost, I think, was a setback, personally. Would you be Jeff Ogilvie, U.S. Open champ, eight or nine wins? No. Maybe, but you can, you can never – it's what shoulda, coulda, woulda. I'm not a fan of that, but – I mean, Jeff had a heck of a career, and he's a heck of a player. Just because I won that week doesn't mean I would have won the U.S. Open. No. Do I believe that? No. But do I think I would have had more wins? Yes. So that's one shot I'd like to have back. It's 2005. What about okay, – you, you alluded to it earlier, but when you made the 18 in, in San Antonio. 16. 16, I'm sorry. Yeah, right. That's an important distinction. Yeah. What about it? <laughs> Which shot would you want back? None of them. I think it. I think it was great. I think um, things happen for a reason, <laughs> and uh, look, I actually don't mind that. That doesn't bother me. Like that, that I look at as a as a funny moment of my career, not a bad moment at all. I think you made a lot of fans because after you'd been in the forest for a while, I started laughing. Yeah. Well, when you came out, you had this big smile on your face, and I think that a lot of people that changed their perception of you. Like, th this is a guy I'm actually going to root for because I can relate to him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you just just lived every golfer's nightmare, and he came out smiling. I should have threw it out. <laughs> What's the penalty for that? <laughs> Who cares at that point? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think I look at that as a positive. I, it doesn't really bother me. Um, you know, big deal. Who cares? Well, and in a parable for us all, the other 17 holes, you were like, what, three under? Four. I was four under. And, you know, the funny thing is on the 18th hole, I thought I had a putt to shoot 79, birdie putt, and I grinded. I made it. I was like, I broke 80. And then went back in the booth and counted it all up, and I was like, man, it wasn't 15, it's 16. I tell people this, and I tell these people, actually, after a couple of shots in the trees, I don't remember. I don't remember what I did. It's like I zoned out. Like, I don't remember. And then I had to watch it on replay um, because they had every single shot. And to, for me to remember, like, oh, okay, I did that, I did that. And I, yeah, so I, I don't remember. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, any other shots you've blocked out of your memory that have just disappeared? Well, don't bring it up because I'm going to start remembering. <laughs> <laughs> Short-term memory, please. <laughs> okay, yeah. fair enough. Well... I mean, but honestly, that's, that's why people root for you is because you, you have had these public struggles and you've mm -hmm. come out the other side. And look, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit it, too. Some of these guys hide it and they're like, no, they'll deny it, deny it. Look, who cares? I mean, I mean, if you want to make fun of me for making 16, go ahead. If you want to make fun of me having the yips, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I bet you 99.9% .9 of the people in the world didn't have my career. Or has, you know, or is, they're not on tour, first of all, because I think a tour player would never make a fun of another player about their yips because yeah. they don't want to jinx themselves because what, you know, and bad karma, yeah. and they get it because they know how serious and, and frightening that can be. So I know no tour player is going to talk about that, but um, Look, go ahead and make fun of all you want. Look, I made 24 and a half million and 61 top tens, I think, and, and, and a trophy. So, hey, 
I made a heck of a living doing this. Make fun of me all you want. I don't care. And I'm willing to own up to it. So, all right. I think that's a good place to end right yeah. there. But, uh, well, I appreciate you being such a good sport, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, enjoy it. I'm always open. So, yeah. And I think I speak for all the listeners when we're all hoping you get that next trophy. Soon. Soon. Are you, do you want to make a prediction? Do you have, do you have a feeling? Do you have like, can you, can you sense it's coming? So I think it's this year because, or this year because um, I think my first win came on my eighth season. So it's got to be, and I, I, after I won, I said my next win's going to be, it's going to take less than eight years. So this is my, <laughs> this is my seventh year. So I, I'm thinking pretty much this year. And my swing's really feeling good. You know, Drew and I worked on, I started working with him end of last year on my off season. Um, and my swing really feels good. I feel like I've always struggled with the driver. I've always been a great iron player. I think my driver game, driving game is, is definitely gone up a notch. And the only struggle actually I'm having right now is my best part of my game is my putter. But I've actually, in the last year, it's been the worst part of my, part of my game. So if I get the putter back to, I told this to Kenny earlier, I said 2009, Best putting year ever. Made everything. I was outside 100th in very accuracy, outside 100th in greens and regulation. I finished 19th out of my list with nine top tens in 26 starts. And I missed probably maybe three cuts. And it was best putting year ever. If I can putt like that, I can win multiple times. But it's just, I got to get the putter back. So I got a new putter this week. Futura 5, Scotty Cameron. So we'll see how that goes. So smooth. Yeah. <laughs> so subtle. <laughs> All right, well, we heard it here first. Good luck, Kev. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Alan. Okay, well, this is Alan Shipnuck for the Knockdown, signing off from a large McMansion in La Quinta, California. Thanks, as always, to you guys for listening. More good podcasts coming your way as we roll through the West Coast Wing, so I hope you'll tune in in the future. And uh, as always, we appreciate your loyalty and sticking it out to the bitter end. Thanks. Bye.